In an NFL game, the first drive from the first team really sets the mood for the game, sets the tone. The opening scene of a movie really sets the stage for the rest of the movie. And here we have Paul in 1 Corinthians setting the tone, setting the stage for the rest of the book, and he chooses to talk about one thing mm. to kick it all off, and we're going to see that one thing here. Yeah. Helps understand the church an awful lot. So, right. Yep. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And Junior, you want to get started in verse 1? Yes. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother, Sothenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy. Holy means set apart. He set you apart by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. I think today we kind of see if you're holy, you got to be like kind of somber and all of that. That's not being holy. He says you are holy not because you're somber, not because of necessarily your religion, you're holy because of Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus' death and resurrection that set you apart. And meaning that you are now his special people, kind of a unique or um, a peculiar, it's, it's uh, used when King James uses it in one place, that you, you're different in such a way that people are interested. They're wondering, hmm, what, what is about these people? It says, may God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. I love that heart. Mm -hmm. Like, I always thank God for you. You ever, Mm. in prayer to God, you ever thank God for your friends? Mm. Thank God for your small group. Thank God for your church. Thank God for your leaders. Mm. You ever thank God for that kind of, because you see Paul setting the example here. Yeah. Verse five says, through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await, as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony. Here's that one thing. Mm. Here's how I want to start this whole letter. Live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, that's hard to do. Because we're different people. We have different ideas, different opinions. And if, if, all of us took turns being in charge of any kind of an organization. Every, you know, if we took turns every week, it was somebody else. Every week, we'd be doing something different because we're all so different. Yeah. So this is really, this isn't easy. And the Corinthians at this point seem to be failing. Right. Yep. It's, it's almost this idea of like, you got to surrender some of those minor opinions if you're really going to do church mm-hmm. together. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying I am a follower of Paul. And others are saying I'm a follower of Paulos. I follow Peter. Or I only follow Christ. Has God? <laughs> it's been, like the super spiritual one comes along. Yeah, right. You know, you already audience. follow Jesus. <laughs> Has Christ been divided into, frax- into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. And I love that he uses himself there only. Yeah. He's not attacking Apollos or his quote-unquote competition, Peter. 
He's saying, I didn't die for you. None of you are baptized in my name. Mm-hmm. He's just taking it on himself. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. It's almost like, you know, of course, they didn't have computers to do their typing on, and it, right. they couldn't just delete. So he had already written out that last sentence, yeah, and he's got this that. afterthought. Oh, yeah, I also, I guess it was Stephanus' household, too. Yeah. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. Mm-hmm. And not with clever speech for the fear of the cross of Christ would lose its power. Now, we do something at the Bridge Dad. Um, it's not like a hard, fast rule, but sometimes people will request people to baptize them. Yeah. And we say, no, we're not going to do that. And it goes back to 1 Corinthians 1. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not about who baptizes you. It's who, whose name you're being baptized right. in. That's the special part. Right. You want to take it to verse 18? Sure. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. And I, and I see it being mocked. I've, I've seen just yesterday, I was watching a YouTube video of a debate that was going on. And one guy, he just mocked the whole concept of Jesus being crucified. Very well-known person that a lot of people in our culture love, but he mocked the concept of Jesus dying on the cross. Hmm. So, so it is, it's, it's foolish to those who are headed to, to, for destruction. Verse 19, as the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world to look foolish. They're they're just going to see it as being foolishness. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. And I brought a message uh, just a couple days ago at a funeral that I did. And dear woman in our church who became a believer and such a, uh, her life was radically changed. But at her funeral, I don't know that uh, there was maybe one or two other committed believers to Jesus there. And it was such a difficult audience to even bring the gospel to. I just saw this need that this may sound foolish to them but I'm going to bring this message anyway because if they will grasp onto this and the Holy Spirit excites the inner self to where they will respond, they can be saved no matter how foolish they may think the message is. It's actually one of my favorite memories, Dad, and I know you can attest to this because this is why you do ministry, was that moment right there. I remember being at a funeral for somebody who had a drug overdose and their family invited me and he, they said, Junior, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the weirdest funeral. It's going to be in a backyard. It's going to be a bunch of of burnouts and people on drugs. It's just going to hmm. be a, a big barbecue full of people who will be high. And uh, can you just come and share the gospel? And it was just weird. But I walked in the backyard, stood up on like a picnic table, shared the gospel. Oh. Felt like It felt so weird, but I got back in my car and I was like, that's why I do this. So like, mm-hmm. that was huge. Yes. Yeah. Felt weird, but that was huge. And we don't know how God is working in ways that we cannot see as he's that still small voice speaking on the inside through his spirit as we are bringing the message on the outside. So verse 22, it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, 
that few of you were wise in this world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things that would that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can even boast in the presence of God. God has united you, has united you with Jesus Christ. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Hmm. <laughs> a lot of, so a lot of great stuff in there, but let's, uh, let's head over to Psalms and uh, Psalm 110. Yeah, I love that. Love the ending of that chapter. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it is awesome. Now, yeah. and, and I, I maybe I should say this when he when he uses the word boast, let him who boasts. It's, sometimes it's it's impossible really to translate from one language to another. The boasting is not this prideful boasting. It's more that if you're going to be into something or if you're going to feel really good about something that you're really glad that you have this, that's the one thing that you could hang on to is your relationship with Christ. That's the one thing that you should feel really good about is that you know Jesus. That's right. All right, so Psalm 110 is the psalm for today. Is it Psalm 110? Because I'm in Psalm 109. Uh Uh-oh, no, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. All right, well, that's good. Because I had uh, planned on a couple of verses. (laughs) No, good, good. You know, this I, is yeah. go. This is another psalm of lament, and uh, and sometimes it's hard to get through these, but it can also be so valuable when you see where David or the, it's not always David, but whoever the author of one of these psalms of lament goes, because they wind up spending a lot of time talking about these are the difficulties I'm going through, and if you look at verse twenty five, it says, "I'm the object of mockery to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, O Lord, my God, save me because of your unfailing love." And here's what he says. This is why I want you to save me, God. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. Which that should always be our prayer. That even when we're up against difficult times, our number one concern should not be ourselves, but the reason that God created us in the first place, our number one concern should be for his glory. And if you get me out of this jam, God, I want to point the way to you. Yeah. I can even think about it, you know, as far as like, there's been times where you've been ridiculed maybe for following God. You have that person in your family or in the office that just gives you a hard time for being one of God's people or believing this stuff. I had that in high school. I I worked at a doing um, auto body shop. I had this one guy who was just always busting my chops for being a a believer. And I kept on, I remember thinking at the time, man, when this life is all said and done, he's going to see, he's going to see. He ended up dying of an overdose. And the day I find out that he died, I was like, yeah, he knows now, but what does that matter? Like, that I was right? Who cares about that? Like, our heart should always be for them to know God, not necessarily for us to be proven right. Yeah. We'll make it a good day today on this Tuesday, and we will see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.